0: One of the most exasperating results of the Trump years for many of us has been the realization that a significant number of our citizens in the United States believe, truly believe that our federal government has been taken over by a vast web of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. Now, I think we need to be careful not to exaggerate the size of this population, but it is large enough and motivated enough to elect representatives to the Congress of the United States, at least in certain districts. I only bring this up because I know many of us think to ourselves, or openly discuss, how could any adult with a functioning mind believe this stuff? How could anyone believe such obvious lies? Well, it's not actually all that difficult to understand if and when we realize that most every one of us to varying degrees, also have bought into a lie and one that is in some ways even bigger than the Q conspiracy. What I mean is that one of the pillars of our entire societal structure is a lie. And that lie essentially is this that there aren't enough resources in this world for everyone. There aren't enough resources for everyone. Whether it's food, water, shelter, money, there's not enough for everyone. It is true, it is true that there are individuals, families, and whole communities without enough resources. That is true. But I would say that that problem has far more to do with other individuals, families, and whole communities hoarding resources. The tremendous waste of resources in our world and the neglect of infrastructure for sharing but the lie tells us that the problem is scarcity. There just isn't enough. Now, many of you may think that I'm slightly deranged, slightly uh, ill-informed. And I will readily admit that I know almost nothing about the per capita availability of resources in any, even in our community, let alone in the world. I grant that up front. I'm not an expert in this. But there aren't a whole lot of people who are experts in this stuff, and yet, Most of us, including me, a lot of times believe that the reason that some people don't have enough food or water or shelter or money is because there just isn't enough for everyone. There are too many people and not enough resources. Now, the important point for this morning is the answer to the question, why do we believe this to be true? Why do we believe that there are not enough resources in the world for everyone? Why are some of you, some of us even now, saying to ourselves, but it is true, there aren't enough resources for everyone. Why is it that we believe that? I believe we take this claim as being an accurate observation of reality because those to whom we look for leadership and guidance have consistently told us that this is the way things are and it is extremely difficult to go against the consensus of authoritative voices in our communities but all three of our scriptures this morning remind us That those who are in positions of power in our communities, the authoritative voices, don't always have the best interests of all the people in mind. And our main text from Mark reminds us of this vital truth, that God provides enough resources in our world for every human being to have a full life. And Christ calls his followers to help make this truth the reality for all people. In our main text for this morning, the story from Mark about Jesus feeding the multitude, Mark gives us a vital clue for the background of this entire event. In verse 34, we read, When Jesus landed and saw this huge crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus' heart breaks for all of these thousands of persons. Literally, the Greek is, it tore his guts open. It's my favorite Greek word splagnidzomai, which is an onomatopoeia. It sounds like what it is, guts being thrown open, splagnidzomai. The sight of all these people tears his guts open because they are so desperate for someone to lead them to truth and goodness. So desperate for that that they follow Jesus and the disciples all the way out into this barren spot to hear something that is helpful. The expression that Mark uses to describe that situation held great symbolism for the Jewish people. In the Hebrew First Testament, which was the only Bible of the time, the true shepherd of the people is God. The text I read from Ezekiel would likely have come to mind with Mark's reference. And these words about the shepherds of Israel, God's message, tell those shepherds, the authoritative voices, leaders in the community, God, the master says, doom to you, feeding your own mouths. Aren't shepherds supposed to feed sheep? You drink the milk, you make clothes from the wool, you roast the lambs, but you don't feed the sheep. You don't build up the weak ones, don't heal the sick, don't doctor the injured, don't go after the strays, don't look for the lost, you bully and badger them, and now they're scattered everywhere, and they're easy pickings for wolves and coyotes. Scattered, my sheep. My sheep are scattered all over the world, and no one is looking for them. You feed yourselves. Notice how the ones the people have looked to for leadership have exploited them instead. Specifically, the leaders have hoarded for themselves what should have been used for the good of all. But God warns them, this won't continue because God says, I myself will be their shepherd. I will go looking for them. I will care for them. I will feed them. I will find the lost ones. I will heal the sick ones. I will be their shepherd. We saw a similar image. We heard it. We read it together in our call to worship from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord refreshes my soul. The Lord makes me sit, l- lie down in green pastures." Notice the allusion to that image of God as shepherd that Mark gives in the story about Jesus. In verse 39, we hear this funny little detail. Then Jesus directed them to ha- the disciples to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Jesus is revealing himself as the good as God as shepherd, as the good shepherd that Mark gives in this story, having them lie down in green pastures, and opposite of the greedy leaders who hoard what should be shared among the people so that the people have almost nothing, Jesus takes the almost nothing. That the people do have and provides for all people. He makes it enough. Verses 42 through 44. Then he gave thanks, broke the loaves, he gave them to the disciples to set before the the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full, basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men alone, and we know that there were women and children there too, the number of men alone who had eaten was 5,000. This is the way of God. God does provide enough, enough for all people to be full even. It's not necessarily lavish. The food itself, it's, it's bread and fish. Those were the, the basic staples of the peasant diet. But thousands were fed and ate their fill, which leads us to another reason why we believe there is not enough, there are not enough resources in the world for everyone. And that is because we have allowed ourselves to buy into the idea of what constitutes a full life from the seller's viewpoint. This is the problem that Paul addressed in that New Testament passage. He was again, he's warning Timothy, be aware of the false teachers who teach things other than what I have been telling you and get all wrapped up in in these controversies and quarrels that result in envy and strife, who who have come to think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Paul writes, godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice he doesn't say financial gain. It's great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out of it. But we have if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Doesn't say how much. It's just if we have the basics. If we have and there is enough is what we learn so often through the scriptures. With God, there's always enough. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction not just them but others because of their greed and hoarding for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil notice not money itself but the love of money is the root of is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs and again pierced many others with many griefs If we define a full life as the life that Jeff Bezos lives, or Bill Gates, then yeah, it is true. There are not enough resources for every human being to live that life. Absolutely, there are not enough resources for that. But the picture of a full life that we have created in our society is a lie. All three of these scriptures remind us our lives are full when every life is full. And not until then, when everyone has enough to eat, when everyone has clean water, when everyone has a warm, dry, secure place to lay their head at night, when everyone who is ill is cared for, when every human being is equipped to thrive in the way that God has created them to be. Now, clearly, we have a long way to go until we assure that everyone, even just within the United States, has all they need to live a full life. But one of the other great news pieces that comes out of this text this morning, this story, is that we can be a part of helping that to happen. In our story, the disciples buy into the same thought that we often have. Why even bother with the little that we do have or can do? The need is too big. Again, verse 37. They come to Jesus and say, oh, this is, Verse uh, 35, this is a remote place. It's already late. Send the people away so they can get something to eat. He answered them, you give them something something to eat. And they said to him, that would take eight months of a person's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? It's too much. But Jesus takes their paltry offering and makes it more than enough. 12 basketfuls of extras. A few days ago, I was reminded of another story about a paltry little offering that became a huge gift. Some of you already know the story of Captain Tom, but it was new to me. Captain Tom was the name everyone used for Sir Tom Moore, a retired British World War II vet. On April 1st last year, 2020, 100-year-old Captain Tom decided he would try to raise 1,000 pounds for the British National Health Service, their health care for all. He was going to do this by walking his 82-foot-long garden path 100 times in one month, using his walker as a support. He was 100 years old. And he was trying to raise 1,000 pounds. His fundraiser went viral. So viral that his last lap was live streamed by the BBC. Instead of raising 1,000 pounds to help other people to get health care through the NHS, he raised over 32 million pounds our equivalent of about $45 million. He wanted to raise $1,300, our money. He raised $45 million, a 100-year-old man with a walker. You know what he said in his first TV interview? One small, one small soul like me won't make much difference. Captain Do- Tom died this last week. But he certainly did make a difference. He made much difference. The powerful of the world lie and say, there isn't enough for everyone. Don't bother trying to do anything about it. It's just the way it is. What are five loaves of bread and two sardines in the face of thousands of hungry people? What's one 100-year-old man with a walker in the face of hundreds of thousands of people needing health care? But Jesus reminds us of the truth. God provides enough resources for every human being in this world to live a full life. And Christ calls each of us to help him make this the reality for all. Thanks be to God.